I did indeed try for a moment to break off the branches, which I would have lit with my dark lantern, but I knocked myself also against the mirrors and remembered in time that we had only images of branches to do with. The heat did not go with the daylight. On the contrary, it was now still hotter under the blue rays of the moon. I urged the Vicomte to hold our weapons ready to fire and not to stray from camp while I went on looking for my spring. Suddenly, we heard a lion roaring a few yards away. Oh, whispered the Vicomte. He was quite close. Don't you see him? There. Through the trees, in that thicket. If he roars again, I will fire. And the roaring began again, louder than before. to Rick and just all the multitude of girlies um, maybe brought I do not think that Rick would call women bitches nor hoes that's not what he'd call his his ladies what am I oh we know he'd call women females we do know this so December 30th 1998 this time tomorrow I'll be at Blair's house I have plans on New Year's. If we play spin the bottle, I'm going to kill myself. I don't think we would. I don't know if people do that. So it'll seem super lame if I ask. God already sees in my heart, so he knows I don't want to play spin the bottle. So I don't have to pray about it. But I have plans. Tomorrow. Now I have nothing to do but write in this journal. I forgot this whole past week. I got the third Beatles anthology at Christmas. My mom is kind of right. It's not as good. I ranked two and then one and then three. I got the Fiona Apple sheet music and I know they won't let me play it for recital because they'll ask if she's a Christian artist. But my plan is learn Shadowboxer first and then pretend to play it just as a warm up at the beginning of my lesson. And then Mrs. Haskell will like it so much that she'll want me to play it. I guess, I guess it was an okay year. I saw Phantom again. I got all the Beatles anthologies. I got the Fiona Apple and Jewel sheet music. Tori Amos is so hard. I'm still so bad at sight reading. I still love Phantom so much. It's just, there's even more stuff. But none of it's the same in my heart as Phantom. I was in a play. I was in a real play. I went to Magic Mountain. That was okay. I went to camp. We went to San Diego like always. I finally saw an R-rated movie. I wish it was an urban legend because it was so dumb. But I watched that so maybe I could watch Scream and nobody made fun of me for covering my eyes. Maybe we'll watch it tomorrow. Maybe I could sit next to Dave if we watch it tomorrow. I got invited to formal. Then I got out of it. Maybe I'll get invited again by a different person. Ooh, they said I can try out for a play in Hanford if I keep my grades up. I think that means I can have one C. I have to have good grades anyway to get my learner's permit. They really do want, don't not want me to drive because they want to control my whole life. But if I get okay grades, I can. I think 1998 is going to be pretty interesting. I think a lot is going to happen. 
So that was Kristen's year-end recap of 1997. Looking boldly forward into the year to come, it's a lot like at the end of David Tennant's time of Doctor Who when he pops out of the box and tells Rose he thinks she's going to have a magical year. How dare Uh, (laughs) you bring that up in this space? Oh, no. I was... I, I prophesied for myself that a lot would happen. And in that very year, I I had my first experience with being terrorized by a theater boy. And then I, for the listeners at home, I did a, a pan over to the angry little presence beside me that was clawing at me the whole time, just sinking her precious little claws into my flesh. So, and now she's doing it again. And that is enemy of the pot Isis. Isis is, I mean, she's happier back <laughs> from your yeah. trip. Welcome people to uh, Laura Less Traveled. This is a chaotic energy we're bringing to the chat. Laura more traveled because we've been traveling. Okay, you've oh. done a lot more traveling, but <laughs> but I did do a travel, yes, for, for anyone who'd like to see our very active Instagram account. I did a little, a little deep cut there. I was visiting California to see a friend and I did go into San Francisco one day and loiter by the current theater in a manner that was uh, concerning to employees. But, you know, I was just having my memories. Um, And among other things, I did eat a bread bowl at Pier 39. So that was my Phantom Corner. Do you have any updates for Phantom Corner, Kara? God, that is a great question. Or life life updates, just vibe checking? Vibe checking. Isis. She's like, cancel the pod. I know you have one episode left. Cancel it. It's over. Yeah, I, I'm. She's, she's managing to get so stuck on my sleeve. I almost can't set her free with one hand. Oh, no, but um, yeah. Uh, I started school again. Little peek behind the curtain. Started mm-hmm. school. Went in September seventh. You know, feeling good, feeling fresh. Uh, September. Yeah. 8th, not feeling 100%. September 9th, tested positive for COVID. So that was cool. (laughs) But I am fine. I literally thought it was allergies. I kept telling people. I just thought I was worn down from like capitalism, but I was actually run down from uh, the disease that's really being exacerbated by capitalism. Um, So I took, I had the week off last week. And so I... Mm-hmm. You know, wrote my fan fiction, did a lot of good, As did a lot should. of the Lord's work, and now I'm back yeah. in the school building. So I've been back for four days. The kids are cool. Um, I'm probably going to teach Mask of the Red Death. We'll see. As you should, as you must. For yes. Halloween, you know, just planning out my year. I don't teach Phantom because I don't teach things I love, but. Exactly. No, you can't. It's too, it's too much. We're forever grateful that your teacher did it, but. Built different. She right. You can't do it. No, No. I can't teach that. I can't teach Pride and Prejudice. I can't teach like no. I was thinking about Jane Eyre, but I would maybe teach like Wuthering Heights because Jane. They can't if they say anything mean about Jane. I'm gonna cry. Are you gonna teach The Great Gatsby and then take them to? Actually, I mean, with how it lines up, they might give them tickets. You might get to chaperone the kids to that. I'm trying to. Um, We are going. (laughs) We have a club. At my school called the We Outside Club. 
Um, which is great. And they literally, like, it's just all, it's a catch-all term for all the clubs. And so I got, literally, I stepped into the school building day one, and they were like, Kara, we need you to chaperone a We Outside trip. We're gonna go to opening night of the Taylor Swift movie concert experience, the Eras Tour. And I was like, okay, so myself and the other Swifty, my other Swifty coworker, are gonna go, um, but there's been so much Taylor Swift news. I know that this is this is Phantom of the Opera pod, and we don't have a Taylor Swift pod, but she's very she's she's Rick adjacent. <laughs> she is Rick adjacent. We it, know it's gonna come up in this episode. Yeah, so. she. I mean, first of all, both of them have a long list and with names in red underlined. We also yes. have. An incredibly Rick album coming out, 1989, Taylor's version. There is a, did you see, there's, I'm so sorry. Did you see that there is a bonus track on 1989 called Slut! Exclamation point? No! Yes! I did not! Yes. Real-time reaction. <laughs> and people think it might be featuring Nicki Minaj, which, like, the, the collapse <laughs> of civilization that would happen for me. The edits that you can make to Phantom of the Opera. With that song, so much Taylor Swift news. Like so much. Did you see the news about? I'm so. I'm gonna stop apologizing because women be apologizing. But um, women be apologizing, and this is our Avengers Endgame length episode where we're gonna try to power through all of it. So we're we're just getting two episodes worth of bullshit out of the way now. Yeah, it's actually efficient. They put a they put a microphone in front of us. That's their problem. Um, Yeah. Did you see, first of all, did you see the Sophie Turner, Taylor Swift pictures? Oh, yeah. And then did you hear today that he's holding, like, the children hostage, not hostage, but he's, yeah. like, hiding their passports so they can't go to England with her? We, it's not we, good. We don't accept it structurally. We don't accept it spiritually. No. And the, um, I want yeah. nothing but the best for Sophie Turner. I like her. No. Really great pictures of her drinking wine courtside at basketball games. She's In wonderful. In addition to, I think she's a good actress. I but... think she's adorable. And the pictures are women supporting women. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. I'm going to send you, I think probably one of the images when we post this podcast is the image that has come out recently of Taylor Swift <laughs> at this dinner yesterday or two days ago, uh, leaning on her hands, intently listening to this woman detail what this man did to her, and that is not not the Daroga telling Gaston Leroux narrator what Rick did to him in this exactly. chapter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no other podcast is doing what we're doing. No, they're. Not, I mean, first of all, they're not recapping Phantom of the Opera by Gaston Leroux because we looked. Although, okay, we I did. There maybe aren't people doing it now, <laughs> but there weren't when we checked before. Yeah, exactly. I am going to pull up the actual novel on my kindle device because yeah. um, you got to read this chapter title correctly because it's something should we go are we going down once more kara are we ready we're only going down once more so uh welcome to our podcast we are going to do chapter 25 chapter 26 chapter 27 and the epilogue because we kind of figured gonna, yeah. we're gonna power through it it's gonna be a two-parter probably um mm-hmm and and that's that. And then make sure uh, if you liked this, first of all, comrade, hello. <laughs> but if you liked this, um, <laughs> make sure that like uh, let us know in the comments and let us know in the reviews and let us know in the um, like there's like a question if you're listening on Spotify. 
Um, let us know what we should do mm-hmm. next. We are thinking about a specific phantom adjacent book that we want to do, but we definitely need some encouragement to to kind of direct where we want to, what we want to review next. So let us know. We're a democracy like in Hamilton. So <laughs> yeah, that's the famously most <laughs> only example of democracy. Well, can't say succession. They tried to actively be anti-democracy in succession. That is a fact. Oh, God. Oh, my God. What do I have if I don't have my, my little entertainments and my little stories? Speaking of little stories, the Persian's tale continued. If you guys, if you think that I can keep talking, our guy, the Persian, he can also. He be talking. Uh, <laughs> this chapter is called Chapter 25. Any old barrels, <laughs> barrels, <laughs> any old barrels for sale, um, which I heard. I was listening to the audiobook and I was like, what is happening? And it comes up multiple times. Multiple, multiple. Getting some more orange wine here, oh, yes. which is also actually relevant because Schrodinger's wine cellar. In my mind, I imagine them like emerging into the Trader Joe's wine aisle, but, oh but we're not God. there yet, Kara. Where are, no, 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 where no. are we? We are not. We are in the um, Hall of Mirrors slash the Torture Chamber. The Illusions, Michael. Slash close-up magic corner. Gaston LaRoe said, I'm going to explain to you how it is done. Yeah. And <laughs> God damn it, are we going to get some details? So there's a lot of detail about this, but uh, I don't really care. Um, so they're in a yeah, hall of mirror. <laughs> sorry, sorry to architecture corner, but sorry to this torture chamber. No, but the Persian immediately knows that they're in the torture chamber, um, mostly because it's called that, but also because he's seen the ship before back in Mazanderon. And so he's like, we're in like a hall of mirrors in a hexagon. And yep. then... We get so many details. But then we get, like, some of the lore, which is fun. And then we get a lot of lore in the epilogue, which we need to talk about. But we get a little bit of the background. So, like, this man was making torture chambers for uh, the Sultana in Mazanderan. And (laughs) she's, like, she got sick of just, like, regular (laughs) close-up magic. And so Rick is, like, all right. And just went absolutely buck wild making these torture chambers. (laughs) Because of course he did. Of course he did. Now, in both versions, and it just, I gotta say, you know, Alexander Texier at Wikipedia. I almost said Alexander Texier, Wikipedia Dematos. Yeah, yeah. that was his legal name. <laughs> we have the right energy. Yeah. No, he said, I don't give a shit about toads. We're moving on. He gives a shit about how the construction of the room, apparently. I'm honestly just going to say, just please read it if you need to know how Rick made the torture chamber. It's very detailed, but all the, the Persian is saying this because he's like, I understand how crazy this sounds. Yeah. I'm unfortunately making you listen to the Industrial Light and Magic Imagineer tutorial <laughs> so that you know that I do actually know what I'm talking about. And indeed, nobody could hallucinate all that. He's like, I promise that i understand how buck wild this sounds you need to know rick like i know rick most of this story is literally just people being like i know this sounds absolutely crazy i need you to believe me like (laughs) if they didn't it's like that meme that's like the really thick book that's like the phantom of the opera and then it's like the phantom of the opera if they didn't have to convince people they aren't crazy and it's like they're not yeah so in places the glass is cracked 
And it's like, how many fucking people have been in this thing, Rick? Like, right. How many people have been in the torture chamber of your house, Rick? Tell Elmo. Oh, and he's like, Joseph Bouquet has been in here. Were we to die as he had? I did not think so. I knew we had several hours before us, and I intended to put them to better use than Joseph Bouquet had known how. He said R.I.P. to Joseph Bouquet, but I'm different. Literally, he said R.I.P. to like the four billion people who have been in here, but I'm different. Because he knows how the torture chamber works. But it's like also, as we see, that doesn't really help you at all. He has a very sassy energy in these chapters, which I appreciate a great deal. So, yeah. And then he explains, no, here's why we couldn't climb out. Yep, there's a ceiling. You can't. Most people who are stuck in here uh, don't have shoes on. Yeah. Which I guess is a problem. I'm sure, I mean, everything's like hot as fuck. Vibe check on Raul. How's that guy doing? <laughs> uh, just great. <laughs> he's doing great. He's He's not, no one's understanding where they are. And I think it's literally because they have never attended a birthday party at the Rainforest Cafe. Don't take Raul to a rainforest cafe. Do not take him to an escape room. He's not going to help you. He's going to lay on the floor. I'm again getting ahead of myself, but no, the per- the poor Persian. He's like, okay, Rick, he built this. So like, probably not going to help me out. We've heard him dragging Christine away so that she can't help us. Let me check my companion. Can he be of help at this time? He's wandering around gesticulating wildly, so he's like, and okay, it's an A-team of one. It's exact. it's me. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm the solution. It's me. Yeah, no, Raul's he's... not freaking out. Or Raul is freaking out. Yeah, he's yelling Christine. He's waving his pistol about. Yeah, that's bad. He's calling to the monster at the top of his voice. He's challenging the angel of music to a duel to the death cursing the jungle that wasn't there the torture was having a terrible effect on his unprepared mind and i would say well who the fuck's mind is prepared for the torture chamber the persians yes because he's different he is different but he also like isn't really prepared he like knows the nice thing is he knows what's happening but he's still like unable to like figure it out because they're in this magical like they keep saying it's an equatorial jungle at some point they take their jackets off at some point they put their jackets back on they're like we don't know what's helping here. <laughs> like, uh, should we take our shirts off on? Like, what's going on? What's going to work the best? Raul's freaking out. He's like, please, Raul, please keep telling yourself that we are in a room. We're in a room. We are not in the jungle right now. We are not. Which is what you also have to tell a four-year-old at the Rainforest Cafe. This This really spoke to me. I promise that if he let me get on with it and not disturb me by shouting and running around like a lunatic, it would take me less than half an hour to find the secret catch. So he's like, please let me focus. Please let daddy focus. Yeah. At this, he lay down on the floor as people do in the woods. Do they? I don't And said that since he didn't, and said that since he didn't have anything else to do, he would wait until I'd found the way out of the jungle. Okay, there's no I in team, first of all. He also added for good measure that from where he was, the view was very fine. In spite of all I'd said, the mirage was still affecting his mind. This is not, to say he's not helping is an understatement. No, he's literally, I mean, as someone who has been drunk at the Rainforest Cafe relatively recently, he's looking at the stars in the sky and it's like, those are not real. That is a projection. 
So they're looking for like a... He's always laying down though. I know. Well, it's like that part in Emma where he like goes in and lies down on the ground. Like that's what I imagine he's doing. He rips off his cravat and he's like, ugh. (laughs) So he's looking for like, there's a spot where if you like push it, it's going to open the torture chamber. Yeah. The Persian's like, okay, well, he probably wouldn't have put the spring higher than he could reach. And we're about the same height. So I can do this. I can do this. He's just slowly, he's trying to logically work his way around the room while Raul helps him. Not at all. Exactly. (laughs) And he's got to like, he's got to do it very methodically because like you can't really tell where you are in this room. And it's just like super hot. And he's like trying to focus on where he's been and where he's going. And he's like, just don't, just don't talk to me because like, it's like he's counting in his head. So he's like, please don't talk to me. Don't start saying random numbers because I I gotta, I gotta do this, babe. At which time, Raul's like, can't breathe, he groaned. All these mirrors are reflecting this infernal heat back and forth. Unfortunately, I feel like this is giving us a glimpse of what Raul would have been doing on the deck of the Titanic, which is probably whining. Um, Are you going to find that blasted spring soon? Don't be long or we'll roast to death. How about you help? What can we do? Direct actions, Raul. Literally. And then the Daroga's like, he's like, you know, at least he knows it's a fucking room. Keep it moving. Then Raul's like, my one consideration is that the monster has given Christine until 11 tomorrow night. If we don't get out of here and save her, at least we'll die before she does. Eric's Requiem for the Dead can be used for all of us. Silver then he linings, inhales Raul. hot air and almost passes out. And the Persian in both versions is like, Okay, well, that's not my truth, but, you know, be quiet, please, God. Right. <laughs> and and he fucking loses his place. Yeah. So he's like, oh, got to start again. And he's like, God, fucking damn. Like, you're, no, you're not supposed to, like, be upset with, like, children <laughs> in the teaching profession. Nope. He could not hide his frustration. And then Raul sees that he's frustrated and starts whining about how they'll never get out of the jungle. Okay, okay. And we do try to be fair to Raul here. Raul makes points at times. Yes. This is not one. No. I mean, he does have a point that they're going to die, but he's literally laying on the floor moaning. Raul, you have more in common with Rick than you think. I'm just saying. He's like, oh, my God. So now he thinks the jungle is kind of real. Poor Zoroga's going through. He's like, all I can see were these branches. But, of course, there is no shade because we're in the Congo. And it's like, you're not. <laughs> well, And it. Here it says branches, beautiful, admirable branches. In text, it was just branches, beautiful branches. Uh, gowns. Gowns, beautiful yeah, gowns. Nice. Unfortunately, that's what I thought of. <laughs> oh, I laughed when he said he was thirsty. We're all thirsty. We're in Rick's house. We're in Rick's it's, house. It's Rick's house, literally a thirst trap. No. I hate it here. No. <gasps> Title of the episode, thirst trap. <laughs> I hate it here. Raul thinks that they've been there for three days. But to be fair, later, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah. later they're like, we really don't know how long we were in there, which Simply is the don't. problem. Yeah. So he's like, so he's, he keeps thinking he's seeing Christine and he's like, why are you running away, Christine? Don't you love me? Can't you see I'm exhausted? Are we going to be married? <gasps> oh my goodness. I shall die in the jungle far away from you. I'm so thirsty. <laughs> the drug is like, so am I. <laughs> And then it was weird because uh, then night falls. Like, what the fuck kind of, like, National Geographic <laughs> ass, changes. like, yeah, scene changes is going on Rick, here. this is so extra. How is Rick doing scene changes in the torture chamber? Isn't he chamber? busy? What is he? Is he just doing this? Like, where's Christine? I probably knocked her out. Mm, great. By some means. 
is this your king? Yes. And what about it? it no, I, it's a disclaimer. It's not great if Rick, however, Rick made Christine unconscious. We don't love it. We don't love to see it. But no, I mean, he has to be the one unless he unless he also invented automatic timers. Can't stand him. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it becomes nighttime. They're like, we have to build a fire to keep the wild animals at bay. At this point, I'm like, did I misunderstand something? But no, they're just hallucinating. And so they're trying to get branches from this like tree. But it's like this all this shit is fake. And then they remember. Um, but Rick made it so realistic. Mm-mm. He made it so realistic. It was even hotter now. <laughs> Suddenly, <sighs> we heard the roar of a lion. I'm going to splice in Circle of Life right here. No, we'll see. Amazing. But it, I, you should. <laughs> Rick, is, Rick is coming in hot with the Foley work at this time. <laughs> I really hate it. Uh, I've told the story a million times, but I saw Spongebob the musical, mm-hmm. which was amazing. And uh-huh. there is a guy on the side of the, of the stage that is doing all the Foley work to make it sound like the cartoon. <laughs> and I do imagine yes. he is doing that little kazoo stuff like that so so raul is blasting with his gun he just starts shooting yeah um which kind of helps because it shatters the glass yeah i'd have concerns about ricocheting yeah another great taylor swift song but (laughs) apparently that's not he's not super with it so i'd if i was the persian i'd be worried that he would shoot me but you know it's given him something to do whatever the persian's like i gotta keep it moving exactly then dawn rises (laughs) no he made the whole set of the lion king what the fuck is going on he literally did he was like like (laughs) they found pride rock rick why are you like this and they're like what's going on so now like i imagine like you know how like there's like those old-timey sets where like they have like the the waves and they're like or like they have the set like the uh-huh. way they did Barbie with like the sets that like rotate yeah. or whatever. I imagine he's like in the back like with a giant crank like and now like the cactuses are coming in and shit like that because they're not going any. They, they keep talking about how like they're going this distance and they're not going anywhere. They're in this fucking room, but they're not. They're literally in a room. At I mean, one point, the Persian tells Raul not to stray far from camp. Yeah. And I checked to make sure it was not a translation thing. It's not. He said, stay close to the camp. Girl, what camp? (laughs) What camp? It's just a tree. Now, were you worried that how Rick is making these noises would not be described in detail? Did you have a concern about that? I, I, like, I was, when the lion roared, I was like, oh, I wonder how he's doing that. But I didn't want the answer, and I don't care. However, we're about to get it. Okay, it involves a very complicated instrument that also sounds like I used to teach music at a preschool and you'd get those like little glass pebbles and like have the kids shake them around in a box and claim it was rain. Mm -hmm. So it's giving like really complicated thing that only Rick could invent, but it's also giving music instruments that you direct the preschoolers to make yes it's just you've got the tissue box with the elastic bands across it and it's a guitar he's doing that i want to read (laughs) about rick's creation of the lion noise from start to finish because like it took the uh creative team of jurassic park a while to come up with the t-rex noise and it's a combination of like a lion and some other shit Mm. You know who probably could have done it immediately? Rick. Oh, he would have loved Jurassic Park. 
R.I.P. Rick, you would have loved Jurassic Park. <laughs> Only the first one, though. Oh, my God. Please read it. I'm going to make some macaroni and cheese. And then they think they see something really special. The Persian is still with it enough to scream out for Eric. All around us was the silent vastness of that stony desert. What el- What would happen to us in the middle of such appalling emptiness? Yet they're in the distance. Yeah, I'm skipping all around. Eventually, I was aware that the Viscount was leaning on one elbow... Raul, fucking get up. Jesus Christ. I know. Eventually, I was aware that the Viscount was leaning on one elbow and pointing to a spot on the horizon. Kara, he had seen an oasis. Oh, no. (laughs) I love that band. (laughs) Thank goodness. anyway, here's Wonderwall. Okay, so yeah. The Persian starts screaming at him like, it's a mirage. It is not real water. It's not real. But it's like super realistic. Raul dragged himself across the floor crying, water, water. Oh my god. And then Rick, then there's fucking water noises. Of course I knew how Eric made that sound too. He filled a long narrow box with small stones. Okay, I'm not giving him credit for that. No. Rick did not go to preschool, but he (laughs) peeped in the window of a preschool and saw them figure it out. Whatever. Then they lick the glass. Yes, that's bad. Sorry, team. (laughs) It was burning hot. They rolled around on the floor screaming. Raul brings his gun to his temple. And the Persian's just staring at the noose. And it's not funny. It's not funny. But also it is funny. Because Jesus, Rick. But then, it's a mirage. So the the Persian's like, give me the gun, Raul. And (coughs) Raul's like, "Mm, I don't know. And he's like, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, because... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Because the decor changed. I forgot. I didn't realize this. The tree is not there the whole time. Mm -hmm. This is so bitchy of Rick. He made... How did he make the tree disappear? Because it wasn't in the second little scene, but now it's back. He brought the tree back just for them because he knows that now they're ready to really do it. It's so mean. Well, because he's like, they're like, he's like, of course, like you would want to kill yourself after thinking that there's water and then have it be taken away. Which he is made so them rude. do an act two in which there was no iron tree. Because he was like, I made this and you will sit through the full show, actually. <laughs> You're doing the full three hours. And then they hear the rain, so they think that, yeah, they're like opening their mouths as if... They, they literally hear the rains down in Africa. <laughs> yes! Oh, no. <laughs> Rick is like singing that from an... He pipes that in from another room. Oh, my God. Raul saying goodbye, Christine. <laughs> yeah. He was stopped in his suicidal tracks, which is a crazy phrase to say. But which is he the found, thing he wrote. He found the catch. He found a, a nail with a black head, and he, if he pushed on it, it would set him free. And a, wh- what is it? A trapdoor. Because this guy is a trapdoor lover. As he will make sure to clarify for us. Thank you for that, Rick. But mm. yeah, it's we, what we saw was not an opening which appeared in the wall, but a trapdoor which swung down in the floor. Whew, close one there, guys. I like this. Yeah, so they're like, okay, it's opened up something below this. They're like drinking in the cool, dark air like it's water. The Persian reaches down and finds stairs. Raul is about to do the Lady Gaga meme jump like into the hole. Yeah. And the Persian's like, one second, bud. This is Rick's house. There's you know, stairs. Let's, <laughs> who can say if this is part of the tortures or not? Let's mm-hmm. Let's hold on. Right. So they go down and, they're and like, they had because yeah. they go down and they're like, okay, cool. Like maybe there's water down here. 
It's just cool. <laughs> Maybe the coolness came from the ventilation system. Eric is HVAC <laughs> certified. Thank Get goodness. you a man that can do it all. <laughs> and so they're like, well, they're, they're, it's like damp down there, but like they don't see actual water. And they're like, oh shit, we're in, we see a bunch of fucking barrels. We've made our way to a winery. Cool. Yes. So they're like, oh, cool. Like, of course, like Eric, he's not like just buying like bottles of Aquafina. Like he has barrels of water and wine and like, you know, he lives down here. So this must be something to drink. Yeah. No. And it said at some point it said something about Eric's water filtration system because. <laughs> God, his Brita. And I, cause I've been reading these Philippa Gregory books. Mm-hmm. How did anybody function in England at that time? Because all they had to drink was small ale. And then there's this one part where Catherine of Aragon is like, I really miss drinking water because they had drinkable water in in her home. Um, yeah. I was going to be they like, where aqueducts. was she from again? And then yeah. you'll never believe it. It was in the name Aragon. So, yeah, they find these casks. They open them up. How did Rick... How did Rick hermetically seal them? I don't actually know what that means, but it sounds complicated. And how did Rick achieve this? I don't know. Oh, I'm sure he's watching YouTube videos about barrel making. They're very satisfying. Yeah. So they're kind of a weird size for they're They're in this wine cellar. And then the Persian's like kind of small for wine barrels. But since he has to like kind of, you know, transport things on foot, guessing that's why they're small. Oh, yeah. buddy. Exactly. Like, it's like how, like, when I go to grocery shopping, like, I can only really go grocery shopping, like, with things I can carry because I got to take them on the subway, like, that whole thing. It's just like that. Except for, um, they have cracked open the, the, the bung of the barrel and they hear really took singing. Really me back to a seventh grade boy place. Yeah. I know. The bung, the bung hole, whatever oh you want to call it. It's never not funny. But yeah, the barrels start speaking to them, which... Rick, I swear to God, this is too much, Rick. It's too much. It's too much. How did he even do that? We don't know how he did that, right? We don't get an explanation for that. Well, he's the best ventriloquist in the world, so he allowed them to see the nail or whatever, and then... Oh, Jesus. How is he throwing his voice down a whole floor? I guess the answer is just that he's Rick. He just loves a joke, and he loves to jest. He's a jester. Because... Is it two buck chuck in those barrels? I wish. It's It's not. Gunpowder. Oh. Woo. Gunpowder treason. And that's where the... Yep, that's what I thought of. I thought, (laughs) I've never watched V for Vendetta. Anyway. You've never seen it? (gasps) No. You need to... It's so Rick, it might be plagiarism. It's actually like, it's Rick Rick. He wears a mask for a reason. No. <laughs> and he falls in love with beautiful Natalie Portman. And then he's really mean to her. You have to watch it. We have Rick. to watch it. It's so Rick. It's unbelievable. Oh, my God. Okay. We made it through one of our four chapters. But considering that we didn't start till 20 minutes in, I think we're we're crushing it. We're crushing it. We spent less than half an hour on that chapter where kind Perfect. of nothing happened except that Raul laid on the floor. Anyway, then... <laughs> then like nothing really happens after that you know yeah so the, i love that the persians like oh he wasn't fucking around when he said he was going to kill a bunch of people no no he wasn't nor has he been what about this guy seems he, like he's fucking around you know yeah because he's like earlier he had said you know in cinema this is where you would flash back to eric sonorously saying everyone will be dead and buried um very specific and he meant 
buried under the rubble of Paris's great opera house. Let's see. I do, I do like this. Could a viler crime be imagined by anyone wishing to quit this life in a more horrible apotheosis? The looming disaster which the foulest monster who ever walked the earth had planned as a way of defending his hiding place would be his revenge for unrequited love. Tomorrow night at 11, the final call. His timing was impeccable. The theater would be full of people, crowds, all of the members of the human race. Okay, well, yeah. Upstairs, on the upper light-filled levels of the House of Music, could anyone wish for a finer setting for those who were about to die? Eric would meet his end, escorted by beautiful women whose beautiful shoulders would shine with the most beautiful gems tomorrow night at 11. He's going down, escorted by ladies in gowns, beautiful gowns. He's a stunt queen. Yep. And then also here, the Persian is like, well, obviously everyone's getting blown up. Yeah. She can't say yes. Right. He and does it's not like, expect this of her. It's like, regardless of literally anything, if you were given a real trolley problem situation, like, I don't think you'd run over the people, you know? But the Persians, like, no, it's actually pretty reasonable for her to run over all the people, myself included. We cannot <laughs> expect her to live this way. Right. Imagine kissing that man. We unfortunately do all the time. Anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow at 11 but then they're like okay but like this this i this concept of tomorrow at 11 unfortunately holds no weight because we have no fucking idea what time it is they're like it could be tomorrow at 11 it could be 11 right now it could be fucking like midnight it could be it felt as if we had been trapped for years they said and they're like they can days and days out years ever since the beginning of the world taking us to a real 2001 space odyssey and Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig, 2023, taking us to a real beginning of time place. I mean, it's literally in there, but that's hilarious. You think you were in there since the beginning of time. I get it. It's it's like being at the DMV, but still. Right. Um, you were at, you were truly so the, at Waiting for Godot. They're hollering. Never not hollering. Oh, and now, so they scramble back up. Now it's as dark in the Chamber of Mirrors as it was in the cellar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the, the show's over. You saw... A Broadway replica of The Lion King, and now it's, you know, the theater's dark. And so they cannot figure out how long they've been there. They start yelling for Christine. Ralph's freaking out. They, his watch, Daroga's watch is dead. His Apple watch is dead. But Ralph's is still going. But they can't see it. They hear a it. weird sound. They hear something weird coming from the basement below them. And they yeah, don't know what bad. it is yet, but they're like, can't be great. So that they start hollering for Christine. Mm -hmm. And... Hmm. I, honey, get your, let me help you get unstuck, baby girl. Lodging her paw in my cardigan. Yeah, she's um, like, stop recording. Yeah. So she finds, Christine finds them. Yeah. On the other side of the wall, obviously. Sobbing, because she was like, I don't know if y'all are still alive, you know? Yeah, she heard about the torture chamber, too. He, She probably heard the whole, she probably got a description of how he did the torture chamber that that's where she's been, is in the TED Talk. He had done nothing but rave while he waited for her to say yes, but she wouldn't. Mm. Why could that be, Eric? Who can say? She promised she would, but only on condition that he took her to the torture chamber. Okay. Uh, and he said no. And then, after hours of this hell, direct quote, he had gone out. 
leaving her alone to reflect for the very last time. Let's see what my note yeah, was. Yeah, because he had to be a stage manager at the Lion King. So she's like, now, hey, what time okay, is it? And she's like, it's 10.55, which is very bad for all of us. This is actually important, I think. Okay, so in the version that I think you listen to and like the, the most common version, Christine conveys in this passage that it's almost time. He's given me only a little bit of time to decide like he's going to be back really soon. I'm so scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, a thing which was cut out of most versions. Five minutes. I shall leave you alone out of respect for your well-known shyness. I don't want you blushing like some simpering virgin when you finally say yes. Damn it all. I am delicacy itself. Now, Rick. <laughs> The, the the edges <laughs> of the whole sexual predator mm-hmm. aspect have really been sanded down for the version that we knew for so many years. Yeah, he's I'm like, saying you have like five ruins. minutes until I assault you. I don't want you blushing like some simpering version. Jesus, Rick. So, no, I mean, we, well, still, yeah. we still love the story, but like, oh my he, God. I, I think he emerges as not like completely different in this version, but... By leaving out some choice passages, you, I don't know, we'll see if we keep this or not, yeah. but like, I, I feel like, I feel like the text version tried to make him non-rapey. Yes. And we've had this conversation a billion times, but I, I, it's like worth repeating. Like, it's just interesting to me the different ways that the different productions portray this kind of vague threat of assault. Like, this is, this is the part I assume where in the musical, the well-known musical, she's in the point of no return outfit and then she comes back and she's in the wedding dress and he, like, throws her to the ground and is, like, sins of the flesh or whatever. But, like, that's how they portray that. And then also, like, off stage, you have to think about, okay, well, how did he get her in that wedding dress? And then there's, like, a... There's a version of the Andrew Lloyd Webber show that isn't the Broadway version that has him ripping off her dress on stage. And, like, some people are, like, and then there's another version where he's throwing her on a bed in the Andrew Lloyd Webber version. And so it's interesting also seeing the fan reactions to that because it's, like, yeah, the threat is, I I think it's ever-present, but I think mm-hmm. the difference between him, like, hissing harsh words at her and also, like, putting her in a different dress is much different than, like, ripping her clothes or throwing her on a bed. And, like, I think a lot of fans kind of agree that, like, that's too far. Yeah, in the final air in the musical, he, like, you hear hear running and panting, and he, like, throws her on stage, and she's in a wedding dress. We have no idea how she got into the wedding dress. And it. I feel like, and especially depending on the portrayal of the actor, of Eric, it can be absolutely plausible that he just stood outside the room screaming at her and saying you know, terrible on. things yeah. as, as she like put it on when, as they come back on stage in the restaged tour, he is lacing her into it. Mm. I do actually think that the way they do it in Andrew Lloyd, in, they're all Andrew Lloyd Webber in the Broadway version is still closer to this because he's not a come right out and say it guy. And based on the way he behaves later, I, there's still a question like, would you actually do that? Because it's about power and he already has power over her. Mm -hmm. So he's very, even when he's referencing it more directly as he does in this version, he's still very clever with his words about it, you know? Well, and even he's, I mean, at this point he has left her alone. He says, I'm delicacy itself. Do we believe him? Absolutely not. 
but <laughs> based on the um you know tying her up stealing her uh torturing her fiance at <laughs> at all but um yeah he's not it's not it's i don't think it's ever direct or overt and i think part of that is like the time period the nature of this text the way that the yeah. text has been published um but for also them to this take is this is also being is told out, just like... oh yeah this is being told through there's so many layers because this is being told yeah from the persian who is hearing christine tell it a thing that has already happened like this this scene has already happened she's telling many years ago Raoul, who is yeah and then there's the the years later the persian is telling uh the narrator and then the narrator is telling us like the the layers of that also i think is it's a very smart way to do it because then the reliability of any of these people is so nebulous yeah. that it's like completely unknowable i think we're still in the written down part here but it's it just a lot going on and also they had like, truly like they're hallucinating but um yes <laughs> did you like how Rick has to brag about the craftsmanship of the... So he's like, all right, yeah. I'm going to leave this room. Focus over there. There's two ebony boxes, caskets on the little mantle. One is a grasshopper. The other is scorpion. Both exquisitely crafted in Japanese bronze and very lifelike. They will say yes and no for you. All you do is give the scorpion one half turn no more so that when I come back here to this Louis Philippe room, our prenuptial chamber, that escaped me before, mm -hmm. I shall know you have said yes. But if you turn the grasshopper, it will mean no. And when I come back, I shall know, and my Louis Philippe room shall then be our chamber of death. Okay. So what he said to her, did he make it super easy to understand? No. If she turns the scorpion, she agrees to be his wife and mm -hmm. everybody lives. Everybody right. lives, Doctor Who. Right. Uh, if she... <laughs> We're getting into the grasshopper. He assures right. her hops jolly high. Um, basically, everyone's going to blow up if she chooses the grasshopper. It's like, um, you know, if you leave your towel on the floor of the hotel room, they'll wash it. But if you leave it hanging up, they won't. It's exactly the same. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I like that then, he, it's handcrafted in Japanese bronze because, I mean, we're not even, we don't even have time in the pod to discuss um, that Rick is probably a weeb, too. <laughs> I know he is. But it's not, he, he always has time for Antiques Roadshow Corner. Oh my but then God. he's like shrieking, shrieking with drunken demonic laughter. And Christine's like, yes, I, okay, I'll marry you. Just take me to the torture chamber. He's, he's not letting her speak. Then, still laughing crazily, he went out saying he would give me five minutes alone, for he was a gentleman and knew how gentlemen should treat a lady. Mm. Oh, Thor. Rick. JPEG. Oh, Rick. Do you? Take care with the grasshopper, he says as he's leaving. Grasshoppers don't just turn. They go off. Suddenly, up into the air, sky high. Rick, I swear to God. Yeah, so that grasshopper is definitely get... rigged with something. Yeah. 
So, and this did get, uh, this is another thing that got cut out of text and it doesn't really shape her character, but he says here, I have tried to convey Christine's jerky feverish speech by means of truncated phrases, disjointed words and exclamation marks for over the past 24 hours. She too must have been plumbed into the depths of human suffering and perhaps suffered more than we had. Mm. She constantly interrupted both herself and us to ask Raul, are you all right? And so, I mean, that doesn't change the story, but I like it in there. Yeah, because we don't know what she was doing. And I do really like that the Persian and the author paused to say, it has not been great for Christine, team. She's no. not been at the spa for the past 24 hours. No. She sure has not. But let's focus on what the men have been suffering. Just kidding. No, the Persian is a feminist. Uh, <laughs> he would was... go to the women. <laughs> I was lucid enough to realize that if the grasshopper would turn, it would go off all right. (laughs) Yeah, duh. Obviously, the grasshopper would switch on an electrical circuit, which would detonate the entire gunpowder (laughs) magazine. Again, I am... You have to watch V for Vendetta. We... That's... We should do a mini episode, because you're going to start crying. Uh, A five-hour long mini episode. Yes. (laughs) Um... Raul is now mansplaining to Christine that they are in danger. Thank you so much for that. She had to turn, to turn the, scorpion. the scorpion. Go quickly, Christine. I love you, said Raul. Be easy. I'm just... Y'all be easy. <laughs> I'm just saying, possibly he has a plan to just say you'll marry him and then come get her later. Right. Oof. And then it... She's about to grab it, like he said. Yeah. But, <laughs> sorry, the Persian. I had been struck by the thought, for I knew Eric all too well. I oh. am just saying right. that in the other version it said, I knew my Eric. So either way, huh. Um, huh. it is worth speculating as much as people speculate about Taylor and Carly Kloss. Like, I'm just saying it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. It's good to speculate about their feelings. <laughs> I'm not a gayler, but um, I am a Faroga yeah but it's pretty it's pretty smart of the person to be like actually what if it's like another level of trick that rick is playing maybe don't touch the scorpion quite yet it can't um, trust that guy it's moriarty and fucking sherlock like 400 steps ahead which he's not he's he's literally he's like striking the set of the lion king in the torture chamber right now Remember the chokehold that man as hot priest had on the culture? Yes, I love... Andrew Scott, as a Shakespearean actor, very important. No one was doing it like him. No No one's doing it like Andrew Scott. He's so unhinged. He's so good at that. Um, What if him and Jeremy Strong were in a play together, just being unhinged together? That would be really good. Anyway... So yeah, Raul's like, uh, touch the scorpion, grab the scorpion, let's like not kill everybody... The Persian's like, wait, hold up. He's a trickster. That guy, just like Loki, many steps ahead. He's like, he could not seriously be expecting Christine to consent freely to be his wife. If anyone has the audacity, unfortunately, it is Rick. Mm-hmm. Where is he? And the Persian says, don't touch the scorpion. And she's like, oh, shit, he's coming. You can hear his footsteps yep. approaching, all without a word being pronounced. Unfortunately, horny. That's horny. And then... The Persian speaks. Eric's, it's the Persian, me. Yes. Do you recognize me? And so he's like Rick trying to like, like reason with him, and he's like, "Damn it, you didn't die!" And it's like, "Girl, you know he didn't die." 
then Eric silences him. He's like, another word from you, Daroga, and I blow everything to blazes. And almost without pausing, he went on. But that honor becomes the young lady. Mm-hmm. And this part in the audiobook, Kara, even though it's slightly different than this text, what the manner in which B.J. Harrison read the words, I was like, I don't like the person that I am. Unfortunately, <laughs> horny. All of Phantom of the Opera. Yes. Mademoiselle has not touched the scorpion. Damn it. So horny. Has not touched the grasshopper, but it's not too late to do the thing properly. There, I've opened the box there. without the key, for I am the king of traps. <laughs> I can open and close whatever I like, whenever I like. <laughs> oh no. Rick, stop. <laughs> stop, King, it's too much. I can open little ebony boxes. Look inside them. Mademoiselle, look into my little ebony boxes. Such pretty little creatures, <laughs> so lifeless. They look so harmless. But you can't go by appearances. If you turn the grasshopper, mademoiselle, we shall all be blown sky high. There's enough explosive under our feet to blow up an entire quartier of Paris. But if you turn the scorpion, the powder magazine will be flooded. So on the occasion of our marriage, Christine, you are going to offer a great gift to several hundred Parisians, who even as we speak are wildly applauding a miserable masterpiece by poor Meyerbeer. The gift of life, because you, Christine, with those pretty hands of yours, are about to turn the scorpion. Then, joyfully and without impediment, we shall be married. The Persian put in stage direction. Oh, yes, yes, yes. How weary those boys sounded. Weary. No, the Persian literally pauses his narrative to be like, it was horny. (laughs) It was horny. He's got to get a couple more dad jokes in. He has to. He has to. He really, he ordered the grasshopper and then he was like, these jokes write, write themselves. It's not, I'm not forcing Remember, this at all. grasshoppers jump explosively. It's like, Rick. no, they, shut up. <laughs> like, that's the best animal you could this- think of? The silence which followed was more menacing than all previous silences put together. I knew of old that when Eric's voice went quiet, calm, and weary, it was because he'd come to the end of the road Uh. and was capable of perpetrating the most colossal outrage or committing acts of the most fanatical devotion. So he's going to either punch a wall. (laughs) He's going to punch a a drywall or eat you (laughs) out. Like what's going on here? fanatical devotion uh, what is he gonna do what has he done to the persian i i see the light now i love a rare pair and wow i'm seeing some serious i'm seeing the i'm seeing what people are putting down about the persian has Eric. this journey this journey as they say on the bachelor which i'm not caught up on that at all it's been it's been years did you see Might the have old to check people out the golden bachelor yes yeah we got it i was like one. how old with tension, I was like, now how old are these people that you're mm-hmm. calling old? Okay, okay, okay. It is actual social security age. That guy didn't look that old to me, but um, on this journey, sorry, no bachelor corner, no. How were you feeling about Faroga at the beginning as opposed to how are you feeling now? Um, I, I mean, I am a person with eyes and an internet connection, so I've seen... Mm-hmm. I've seen people do it right. Um, Miss Shiny Fire on Archive of Our Own is writing a wonderful long fic about those two, very LaRoe specific. You know, I've seen I've seen some people do it well, but 
This is, I mean, I didn't realize they were like all too well, baby. I didn't realize he kept that scarf from their very first date. I think we're almost at the end of this chapter. <laughs> kind of. What else happens? Um, it's like the it's the final rose. <laughs> yep. Raul and the Persian are just absolutely freaking out in the torture chamber. Yeah. We could imagine what's going on in Christine's mind those last seconds. Here's the thing. It is very funny to me that like the Persian's like I literally can't imagine anything worse than having to marry Eric and that is including not limited to a fiery heat death. Mhm. I don't know if Christine I think Christine is like obviously like this is the unfortunately the fan wank of of this but like I don't know it, I'm sad that we don't get Christine's mind in this because like I'm sure she has <sighs> different conflicting feelings than like what the Persian is feeling. Mm -hmm. Okay, put a pin in it. We're okay, not spoilers. We're going to assume that if you're with us at this point, you yeah. probably read the book. She's able to handle seeing him without his mask, which the Persian cannot, no. for the most part. Exactly. So, now, I like this. And Eric had really decided, really had decided that we should all die with him. It's so Rick. Of course he did. Then we heard Eric's voice. It was now sweet and gentle, almost angelic. And he's like, okay, let's go. Baby, we're a firework. He said they're all firework, not sad version. Do you ever? And then know? I wondered what the translation was because in in text she says something like, swear to me, you monster, that the scorpion is the one to turn. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Here she says, Eric, cried Christine, who must have stayed the monster's hand. Swear oh. to me, swear on your satanic love that the scorpion is the one to turn. Ooh, satanic love. It's Ooh. it's giving everyone's parents protesting. Yes, Harry Potter. Ozzy Osbourne, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, Ozzy Osbourne and Harry Potter, the two things that parents have had a problem with. Forever. If you want, he's like, oh, babe, I didn't know you wanted fireworks for our wedding. I hate this man. He literally, he, he said it. He would be he a terrible fireworks. father, but it's so funny <laughs> that he's got this many dad jokes. And she's like, oh, bitch, I fucking knew it. We're going to be blown up. And he's like, no, no, no. Fireworks for our wedding. The scorpion will open the ball. But enough of this. Since you refuse to turn the scorpion, I'll take the grasshopper. This man is so confusing. And she's like, please, just let me know. Won't, won't kill us. He said fireworks for our wedding, foolish girl. And I do just wish that he'd said sweet girl. But that's oh, fine. That's he said thing. it elsewhere. Yeah, it's exactly. Fine. And so she turns the scorpion. That she's like, shut the fuck up. Relax, I've yeah. been the scorpion. Raul literally on his knees praying. Yeah. For for what, Stream. your girlfriend? <laughs> like, you're single now, I guess. This is Selena Gomez's new single, Single Soon. He's like, I know I'm going to be single soon. Um, they hear Meanwhile, the Persian is also a dramatic king. Yeah. For one second, I seem to live a lifetime. Relax. I waited Waited to be reduced to atoms by the noise and devastation. Would you say you were waiting for waiting an absolution, for absolution that would never come? Yeah. <laughs> Truly welcome to Titanic Pod. Waiting for an absolution that would never come. Um, <laughs> they hear a noise under their feet and they're like, fuck, it's happening. Like, it's been triggered. Like, this thing is going to blow up. There's like kind of a rumbling noise. And then... Uh, it was the hiss of water. The start of the apotheosis of horror. Relax. Also, like, it's not... What did he say? The gunpowder is going to be flooded, right? 
Yeah, they're like, what's this noise? It's bad. It's a crackle of flames. Yeah, and they're like, no, Wasn't it's the water because it's the yeah. yeah the the gunpowder that Rick has is gonna get flooded. But they're also there. Hold on, real quick. Text question. And yes, you did see me pour a couple glasses of wine as as we've been recording this pod. Which okay, eighty minutes for the first half with the intro. I'm just gonna say. It's giving efficiency. Yes. I thought they went back into the torture chamber. Wait, so they went. It's kind of like the blocking of Music of the Night, how Rick is like with her, then he's with the organ, then he's with her, and then he's with the organ, then he's at the fence, whatever. Yeah. So they were in the torture chamber, then they mm-hmm. went down to the cellar, yeah. then they were like, fuck, gunpowder, and then they went back up into there. the torture chamber. When I did they go back so. into the cellar? I think. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but um... no, they're standing in the cellar. Maybe they ran down there to get water. I don't know what's happening. When did they go back to the cellar, Kara? I'm confused. It says, we, uh, we heard a crack under our feet. It came from the opening of the cellar. Maybe it was the beginning. And then, oh. And then it says later, um, in the other utter darkness, we climb the steps one by one, climb back up the steps we'd gone down by, rising with the water as it rises with us. So much gunpowder and all wet, soaked, spoiled. Such a wonderful waste. Okay, do you want it to work? Because I don't think you do. Like, I thought that was funny, too. I was like, we, Bestie, we don't want the gunpowder to be functioning. No. I, bro. And he says, no danger of running short on water in the house by the lake. If this goes on, the entire lake will end up in the cellar. And now they get back up into the torture chamber. So this thing is flooded. Titanic Corner, they're in the third class. Uh, or no. Leonardo DiCaprio is is handcuffed to the the pipe in the wherever in the third class area as the ship is sinking and they're both in waist deep water and they have to get themselves out. I have to tell you something. Please, um, please do. I've actually never been really troubled by the door in the way that everyone else is troubled by the door. Yeah. My thing that I'm troubled by is there's no way she hacks the handcuffs off with that axe. It no. just it's not like it doesn't happen no. and that's like the that's the one thing of titanic that i'm like no 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 i agree i'm different my <laughs> thing is the part where she's got she's got the axe and she's in the very very high water and it's like just her head and she's on the pipes and she's like holding the fucking axe and also shimmying down the pipes and there's electricity in the water and i'm like she would be dead Remember how someone put LSD in the chili or something and then everyone got sick? Yes. What a shoot that was. God, I love that movie. Oh, don't worry. Toward the end of the year in 1997, I also talked about seeing Titanic on Christmas Eve. Oh my God, you had an incredible 1997. Mom mom dropping me and Bessie off at at like 10 a.m. at Movies 8 at the Hanford Mall or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, Christmas Eve. But no, this is so I'm I'm still fucking angry at whoever wrote this thing in Teen Magazine in 1997 because the movie had not been released yet, but it said something like it was like a summary, like a preview of things to come and it said, "Yes, one of the young lovers does go down with the ship." And I was like, "What? Who let you print that? Who Are let you, you print kidding that? me?" So, I knew one of them was going to die the whole time. Teen Magazine is evil and it hates fun and it was the one that my parents would let me read because i was apparently not allowed to read 17 until i was 17 the wine is speaking now and i was like i hope i have better things to do when i'm 17 than read 17 
Teen Magazine actually ruined my life because it ruined Titanic. So <laughs> still love the film, though. Oh, love the film. No, I was just thinking I was allowed to read 17, I feel like at like 15, which was pushing it. And then, yeah, by the time I was 17, I was like, this is a lie that this is called this. I'm like, I'm way more yeah. worldly than this, which I wasn't. But I was like, I don't need these quizzes. There, It's not a Venn diagram, but like the ways in which Sweet Valley High and the Babysitter's Club lied to me. And the ways in which teen magazines lied to me. Like, it's all yes. lies. It's all it's lies. It's all lies. That's. I thought I was going to look <laughs> like the girls from the Babysitter's Club covers when <laughs> I was a teenager. And I still 24. don't look like that. <laughs> yeah. No. I was like, wow, can't wait to look like that with banging titties. Nope. <laughs> Not going to happen. And also just rocking a bang. Like, some oh. of them had a good bang, a bang situation, and like we a never, cool we never. Like a cool sweatshirt, a bang. Anyway, <laughs> we're on topic. I don't think, I don't think Christine has bangs for what it's worth, but. <laughs> Thank you for being so brave and <laughs> <in> saying that. <laughs> um, so now they're saying turn off the bathwater. It's overflowing, and it's now going into the apartment beneath you. Eric, Eric, the, the gunpowder is sodden. Turn the tap off. Turn the scorpion. Okay, sorry. Like, is the Home scorpion corner. the water faucet? You know how in Home Alone, Marv keeps, Daniel Stern, keeps flooding the houses because they're the wet bandits? And it's cool because Rick is like wet bandit. Singular. I hate you. I'm sorry. I hate it here. <laughs> so now they're on the tree, the... Uh, Chekhov's tree. They're on the they're tree. Trapped and they're trapped in the steerage up. torture chamber. Yes, it's they're they're doing the thing where they're like they're against that like grate. Oh my god, that's the worst part of Titanic. That part where they're against the grate and then the guy runs by and he's got the keys, but he drops <gasps> the keys and he says, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And then they have to go underwater and grab for the keys and then they have to try to get it. And she's like, "I can't get it." That's what's happening right now. And I feel like someone's eyes are open in salt water, which I guess if it was life or death, but whatever. Yeah. Okay. The Persian. Were we going to die like this? Were we going to drown in the torture chamber? I'd never seen it happen back in the days of the rosy hours of, of Maz... Yeah. Mazzaro? Sorry, team. Eric had never shown me such a thing through the spy hole. I'm just losing it. Bro, they were boyfriends. The Daroga being uh, like... He's like, kidding me? He's like... This wasn't in the draft I read. <laughs> he's like, he's told me everything. Like, they had they had sleepovers. He's told me everything, but he never showed me this part. And why didn't he? Why didn't he, dude? Like, they're in love. <laughs> I'm seeing the light. <laughs> this is crazy. And they're flipping out. They're like, okay, climb higher. Jesus, yeah. how much space is left at the top of mm -hmm. this? They're like... He's like, Eric, like, I saved your life. You can't have forgotten. You were sentenced to death. You were going to die. I let you live. Sorry. I let you live, Eric. Don't worry. Gaston will circle back. Also, we were being spun round and round like pizza pieces of flotsam. Just like us. Flotsam and I jetsam. I would have included and Jetsam in the translation, but yeah. that's just me. So then they're, okay. So, so now they're climbing up. We got so off topic, but all that fucking happened in here is that they were in the torture. They were in the cellar in the basement with the gunpowder. It wasn't wine. They were sad. Then they ran back up. Then Christine was like, fuck Eric's here. He was being real weird before screamed at her, made her turn the scorpion. And then it started flooding. And now they're like, fuck, we're going to drown. 
So in case anyone like stopped listening and somehow magically came back right now, but they have one steady thing to hold on to and that's the iron tree. Yes. And they're, they're swimming up, 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 up. And they're like, keep Mm -hmm. swimming around and around until we're taking up that air hole. We'll be able to breathe there. But it's like, oh my goodness, the sound of water bubbling, fizzing in our ears, gurgling, foaming under the black water. Our ears rang, boiled with it. Before losing consciousness, I seemed still to hear a voice calling above the swish and boil of water. Any old barrels for sale? Incredible. 89 minutes and 50 seconds and Rick is singing about the goddamn barrels. The way, why is this a motif? (sighs) Shall we pause here, let that save, and then reconvene in like five? I feel like you said yes, I just didn't hear you. Okay, I'm going to stop recording. Yes. Hi, hello. Bonus material. Are you going to hear my cat whining? Who can say? Hi, sis. Um, just a special treat for those of you who've lingered. Who can say why you've done it? But, you know, just like people who sit out all the credits at Marvel movies, uh, you get a special treat, which is called this alternate opening that I made that I didn't even run past Kara because I knew she would absolutely say no. Uh, So what I've decided is to simply put it on the end here with uh, my screaming miserable cat. Uh, Enjoy, and we'll talk to you very soon in our last episode of this season. But look as I might, I found nothing but branches, beautiful branches that stood straight up before me, or spread gracefully over my head. But they gave no shade. This was natural enough, as we were in an equatorial forest, with the sun right above our heads, an African forest. Monsieur de Chagny and I had repeatedly taken off our coats and put them on again, finding at one time they made us feel still hotter, and at another that they protected us against the heat. I was still making a moral resistance, but Monsieur de Chagny seemed to me quite gone. He pretended that he had been walking in that forest for three days and nights without stopping, looking for Christine Daillet. From time to time, He thought he saw her behind the trunk of a tree, or gliding between the branches, and he called to her with words of supplication that brought the tears to my eyes. And then at last, Oh, how thirsty I am! he cried in delirious accents. I too was thirsty. My throat was on fire. And yet, squatting on the floor, I went on hunting, 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 for the spring of the invisible door, especially as it was dangerous to remain in the forest as evening drew nigh. Already the shades of night were beginning to surround us. It had happened very quickly. Night falls quickly in tropical countries. Suddenly, with hardly any twilight, now night. In the forests of the equator is always dangerous. Particularly when, like ourselves, one has not the materials for a fire to keep off the beasts of prey. I did indeed try for a moment to break off the branches, which I would have lit with my dark lantern. But I knocked myself also against the mirrors and remembered in time that we had only images of branches to do with. The heat did not go with the daylight. On the contrary, it was now still hotter under the blue rays of the moon. I urged the Vicomte to hold our weapons ready to fire and not to stray from camp while I went on looking for my spring. Suddenly, we heard a lion roaring a few yards away. Oh, whispered the Vicomte. It is quite close. 
Don't you see him? There. In the trees, in that thicket. If he roars again, I will fire. And the roaring began again, louder than before. And the Vicomte fired. But I do not think that he hit the lion. Only he smashed a mirror, as I perceived the next morning at daybreak. We must have covered a good distance during the night, for we suddenly found ourselves on the edge of the desert, an immense desert of sand, stones, and rocks. It was really not worthwhile leaving the forest to come upon the desert. 